You hear him howling around your kitchen door. You better not let him in. There was dew on my skin as the strong scent of animal dung woke me up that morning. Being on my travels long enough meant that I'd spent my fair share of time on many farms and in many stables, and this made it possible for me to identify a scent such as this one. Sitting up, I found myself in a green meadow in a beautiful countryside, surrounded by tall granite mountains. It was a valley of sorts. Nearer to me were forests of trees in every direction, with leaves showing the first tinges of transforming into their autumn colors. It was the kind of imagery that you expected from travel magazines. My breath came out in soft clouds and I shivered as a breeze cooled the dew on my arms and legs. Looking around for any indication of where I was, I saw the herd of oxen that had left the scent my nose had so pungently smelled. Well, aren't you just a bunch of lovely faces for me to wake up to? I mumbled to the cattle before I got up and found my backpack near me like it always was. Slinging my only possessions over my shoulders, I looked around for a barn or farmhouse. Hey! A voice shouted at me, and I jumped trying to locate the source. What do you think you're doing? Turning about face, I saw who my first person of this new day was. It was a girl in a long blue striped peasant skirt, with her white apron tucked into the corners of a cloth belt around her waist to hold things in its space like a pocket. She wore a cloak over her shoulders made of a rich red, and a bonnet over her hair covered the blonde curls that poked out from beneath it. She had a tough face with hard blue eyes and held a long pole taller than her with a crude metal blade on the end, a makeshift spear. She was like a grittier version of Little Bo Peep, and this makeshift spear she wielded was better than any shepherdess's crook. Me? Doing? I wasn't doing anything, I admitted truthfully. Then what are you doing? She asked me seriously. Why are you dressed like that? Do you enjoy traipsing about half naked? They will call the priest on you. I, um, don't really have a good excuse for my clothes, I admitted plainly. It was the absolute truth because at that moment my mind was trying to process several things at once. The first of these things was that I was being spoken to in French. Aside from being cursed to wake up in years and time that weren't my own, I also had gained the ability to understand everyone who talked to me regardless of country. To me, however, they sounded like they were speaking English. Only a small part of my brain was able to recognize that I wasn't being spoken to in English. But it was usually a part of my mind I had to pay attention to. The second part was that I was able to speak to them in English, and it sounded like their language. So, along with chronic time travel, I had also self-diagnosed myself with pre-installed Google Translate. I didn't know what fates had given me these abilities, but I at least thanked them that they hadn't left me high and dry. You shouldn't be out here. It is not safe, the girl explained. Her anger seemed to have subsided, as it seemed to have been replaced with worry. Why not? I asked, looking around the rather peaceful-looking countryside. You mean to tell me you don't know? 
the girl looked at me in horror and disbelief. I thought her eyes would pop clean out of her head. She looked me over and squinted before asking, You're not from around here, are you? That obvious, I shrugged with a sheepish smile. Are you from Spain? You look very tanned, she asked. Sure. I could be Spanish if I needed to be, unless this was a year in which France was having one of its many wars with Spain, in which case I'd just play it off and say I was Italian. The French almost never had beef with Italians. That explains it, the girl nodded. Well, come along then, and I'll explain along the way. Oh, okay. I hadn't been expected to be taken in like this, but I wasn't bold enough to deny such a sincere and earnest offer. Marie Jeanne, the girl introduced herself, and she made some comment about my name not sounding very Spanish, to which I merely shrugged. Using whistles and flicks of her long pole, Marie herded her cattle down the slopes into the nearby trees. For the past years, the whole area of Gévaudan has been terrorized by a terrible beast, she explained as we walked along. You must not get us wrong, this area is used to wolves coming forth and attacking and stealing sheep in the night, and sometimes the rabid ones can be bold. But what has been happening here lately has not been like any wolf we've known. What do you mean? I asked, finding myself curious. Because I was attacked by whatever it was, and what I was attacked by was not a wolf, Marie said. She rolled up her sleeve and showed me a horrendous bite mark, now scarred, and I blinked at the clearly defined teeth marks and couldn't help but be in awe at the size of it. How did you escape? I asked. My trusty weapon, Marie declared. She held her spear out proudly. I made this back in March when that poor woman from Fal de Brion, Madame Jouve, lost her son in another attack. My sister thought I was crazy, but it ended up saving our lives. There was a grave expression that fell over her face as she looked over the cattle and then out into the surrounding forest, searching, scanning with a vigilant eye. My sister, Therese, she is around your age perhaps. We were taking the cattle into the tithe farm. We were crossing the Dejer River when I heard it under the underbrush. It leapt out and tried to attack me and as you can see it almost succeeded but I managed to strike it in the collarbone. I felt the blade sink in and the beast let out a cry as I used all my strength to shove it all the way back and it fell over. Marie held her arm clutching it to her like if she had been wounded over her heart. It held its paw like this, like how you or I would cling to ourselves if we'd been injured. All the while, Teresa and I were crying for help, screaming at the top of our lungs. This upset the bulls in the earth and they charged the beast and this scared it and it jumped into the river and rolled over many times before disappearing behind the bushes. Marie's personal account seemed to have put her on edge as she kept looking over her shoulder every few seconds. That's incredible, I admitted. 
You came face to face with a monster and you survived it as well as managing to protect your sister. You sound like that royal buffoon Antoine who likened me to Jean d'Arc, the maid of Orleans. They called me the maid of Gévaudan in the papers. At least, that's what the abbess said. I cannot read a word. Marie sighed. I am not a hero. I just did not allow my sister and I to become victims. Poor Jeanne Boulet. She was only 14 and the beast sought to attack her as she was looking after her family's flock of sheep. And here we are, just walking around in this forest when there's a bloodthirsty wolf just about. I was beginning to feel less and less at ease in this beautiful countryside. It is not a wolf, I tell you. Marie adamantly stamped her foot. I've seen wolves, and they are nothing like what that beast was. Its front legs were longer than its back legs, so when it ran, it looked like a terrifying rushing monster. Its snout was not like that of a wolf, but more like a hunting dog. Its jaw was horribly large, and the way it opened its mouth was the stuff of nightmares, and its ears were pointed and looked like horns. Marie raised her fingers to the top of her head to demonstrate to me. It had an unnaturally long tail that was bushy at the end, and the color of the belt, it was an unnaturally tawny color. Now tell me, does that sound like a wolf to you? My mind couldn't help but think back to the wolves I'd encountered on my day in the Yukon once, a few years back. And I had to agree that none of it sounded very wolf-like to me. I also didn't doubt that Marie knew the difference between a wolf and whatever the hell she described to me. You paint quite the picture, I told her. Well, I have that picture of that devil monster burned into my mind, Marie admitted to me. We arrived to a small cottage that was straight out of a fairy tale, but a lot muddier. There was no one inside but a fire burning in the hearth. That girl, Marie frowned as she saw the empty house. Therese knows I don't want her going into the village on her own anymore, but she does not listen. I'm surprised she leaves the house at all, I admitted. If it was me in that situation, I was pretty sure that I'd lock all my doors and bolt all my windows until I got the all clear from a passing neighbor. She goes into the village to listen to the men speak about the latest news from the paper. Since she cannot read, she asks someone to read it for her. Marie opened the cedar chest and drew forth a dress similar to her own, but in a dull green, and instead of stripes, it was checkered. I must be very frank, I do not care for the color of this one, but it was given to me one Christmas from the abbess, so I've kept it. It should fit you. I'm afraid anything of Teresa's is too small, she is of a very tiny build. It's very generous of you, I thanked her. It's nothing really, the chemise and corset were my old ones, I wear the ones that belong to my mother. She, uh, she passed away two years ago. I'm so sorry, Marie. 
There is nothing for you to apologize for, Marie shrugged. She passed from illness, but I think she lost the will to live after she heard the news of my father's death in the Battle of Willinghausen. I had pulled on the chemise and then the corset, and now Marie was lacing the strings to it. I'd learned from various Victorian women that a proper-fitting corset didn't have to suck the life and soul from the ribcage out of the wearer, but the key was proper-fitting. The one I had been lent was made for a woman with a shorter torso than me, and therefore squeezed and pinched uncomfortably. But it also didn't help that unlike women from the past, I wasn't used to the daily use of a corset that allowed for proper posture and a snatched waistline. Once I was dressed, I was even given a brown cloak for the weather, and not only felt warmer, but like I fit in, even if it was for this day. There you are, properly clothed. If you do not mind walking somewhere, we can go into our house and find my sister. If you are present, there is a good chance I'll spare her the humiliation of spanking her in front of the town people. Yeah, I don't mind coming along, I said, getting up and pulling on my backpack. Walking through the forest once more, I was more cautious. I knew the odds of us encountering the beast from Marie's story was slim, but part of me couldn't relax at the thought that somewhere amongst the bracken and undergrowth, there could have been something, anything, lurking, waiting, watching. Try not to think about what may or may not be in this forest, Marie told me. It only causes for feats of hysteria, and we cannot have any of that right now. If anything, the beast can smell your fear. Somehow, that thought didn't inspire any confidence in me, but I decided to stop acting like a disgruntled chicken and continued along with Marie as we followed the forest until it thinned out enough for us to see more around us. Arriving in the village of Alvers, it was a very quiet settlement with an essence as if the whole place was holding its breath. Few people wandered the streets, and the ones that did were women in pairs. There are so little people as it is, but now with this beast, we only leave our homes if absolutely necessary. Craftsmen have it easy, but farmers like Teresa and I, we have no choice but to be outside. Now if I could only- Hello, Marie. A lazy and gliding voice cut Marie off, and I saw a young man with a weasel-like face stroll up with a group of friends. Hello, Jacques, Marie sighed. What do you and your moron friends want? Who is your friend? Jacques asked, looking me over and not seeming very impressed. This is Wanda. She is a traveler, not from around here, but that is none of your biz. Wanda, do you know I'm the hero of this village? Jacques stood over me with his boorish height, and I resisted the urge to push him back. My drachometer was going off the charts, as it didn't take a genius to figure out what Jacques's deal was. I thought Marie was the maid of Javaudan. I pretended to be innocent. <laughs> no, no, no. See, unlike Marie, I was actually rewarded by his most illustrious majesty. King Louis, the reward of 300 livres for myself and 350 livres for my friends. 
His friends all puffed out their chest and stood in proud poses like primped peacocks. Well, that's sure something, I shrugged, not showing the least bit of interest. Come along, Wanda. The more one speaks to Jacques Portefaz, the more likely he is to get full of himself. Marie pulled me along before muttering. Leave it to others to make a profit off of something like a bloodthirsty beast. Aren't you upset that he's taking credit for what you did? I asked her. Jacques encountered the beast as well, that is no lie. But he likes to rub it in my face and that is what I do not appreciate. We both went through the same thing, but he and his friends act like they killed the beast. And I saw them when they returned from their encounter. Pale as sheets with their pant legs dripping. They are not men, but they like to pretend. She pushed her way into the large building, the local public house, that was filled with more people all commiserating. There was a small crowd gathered around one individual in particular. A girl about my age was speaking to the other villagers with fierce hand gestures and riveting storytelling skills. Marie sauntered up to the girl who paused from her tail and looked sheepishly on at her older sister. <laughs> Hello, Marie, Therese said. Uh, can we stay for dinner? Madame Poulet says that the hot meal is on her since I am the sister of the maid of Gévaudan after all. Marie's icy glare softened as she looked at her sister and she sighed. Fine, but we cannot stay for too long. Therese seemed to know everyone by name in the pub. As soon as she'd shovel a spoonful of mutton stew into her mouth, another person passed by that she simply had to talk to. It was easy to see who the social butterfly of the family was. And as Therese struck up conversation after conversation, Marie grew more and more irritated as the time passed on. That is enough, Marie finally grumbled. We have to go. We've been here for hours and it is the time of year in which the days are no longer as long as in the summer. We have a walk ahead of us, so grab your cloak and let us leave. Therese seemed abashed. She then looked at me. I'm such a terrible hostess, you probably want to go and rest. Don't mind me, I'm fine, I admitted as I followed the two sisters out of the pub and into the dusky twilight of Avers. But I have to say, we've been here a while. Crazy how time flies. Time always likes to rush along when you're having fun, Therese bemoaned. The three of us walked to the edge of Auvers, and I stole one last look at the setting sun over the church steeple, a nervous feeling settling in my stomach. Don't be scared, I muttered to myself as I caught up with Therese and Marie. Don't let it sense your fear. And soon the three of us were headed along the outskirts of the forest. Maria was grumbling and admonishing Therese all the while. I'm not a small child, you're embarrassing me in front of your guest, Therese pleaded. I will embarrass you all I want if it means it'll get through your 
antique skulls that you cannot spend your days lazing around asking about news from places you'll never visit and telling stories about the one uninteresting things that happened to you. You need to grow up, Teres, before you get yourself killed. Marie stomped off in large strides, keeping several feet of space between Teres and I as she brimmed with anger. He's messed things up for Marie, Therese said to me morosely as Marie was out of earshot. I um, used to fight a lot with my older brother, I admitted. The things we fought about would be about the littlest things like him eating the last of my favorite food or him teasing me about my interests, but there were the bigger fights. The thought of my brother filled me with immense pain as I hadn't thought about him in ages. But... Let me tell you, ever since I left home, I haven't been back, and I miss him every day. He was my best friend. I hated that I was getting so emotional over this to a complete stranger, but it was too late now. Some days missing my family was like a gnawing sensation in my heart, especially when I dwelled too much on the memories. I suppose you're right. We're all the family in this world that we have. Tress looked up to say something. What was that? I jumped at the sound that came from behind us. Marie looked back at us, her spear gripped tightly in her hand before her eyes widened. No! Something slammed into me and I cried out as I felt hot searing pain cut into my body. I heard Therese scream and Marie was shouting, but I was intensely aware of the sharp and deafening growling that was over my head in my ear. I couldn't see what was pressing its massive hand-like paws into my back. Marie shouted again and I felt the weight of the beast lift off of me, and I scrambled as Therese helped me to my feet and I heard only one word leave Marie's lips. RUN! Tress took me by the hand and that's exactly what we did. Feet pounding on the forest floor, Teres and I ran. We ran so fast that everything was a blur. My lungs were burning as I hopped logs and branches and felt thorny underbrush pull on the hem of my skirts, which only increased my panic. The persistent growling I heard behind me gripped me with fear as suddenly my feet were pulled from under me and Teres and I both fell into a hollow of earth sunk into the ground and unseen until it was too late. Teres and I both scrambled away in terror from the thing that landed into the hollow with us. Snarling, dripping, jaws that were sharp and blood-stained. Marie was right, this thing was no wolf. It lumbered on hind legs like an awkwardly shuffling being with massive forearms. Rusty tawny-colored fur could be seen in the fading light of the forest as the creature flicked its horn-like ears. Tress, you need to get out of here, I said, not taking my eyes off the beast for a minute. It came closer before raising itself even higher and standing like a hunched-over man. It tilted its head upwards towards the sky. 
I, 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 I can't move. Therese trembled. Its eyes were fiercely red and glowing. It crept closer and it looked between Therese and I, seeming to decide who would it devour first, or which one of us would barely survive to tell the grisly tale of how the other's life had ended. I closed my eyes in fright, not wanting to see myself get torn limb from limb, and I waited to become mincemeat right then and there. An arrow stuck into its side and the beast let out a chilling growl. More arrows landed into it before I heard the sound of shouting and hollering coming from the forest, along with the sight of several torches and the people who were carrying them. A cloaked figure approached me and held out a hand to help me up, and as they did, the hood fell off to reveal my least expected savior in the moment. Jacques? My bewilderment could not be contained. You're welcome. Jacques rolled his eyes before training his bow on the beast again. Red eyes weren't stupid as it looked everyone over and knew it was outnumbered in terms of people and weapons. Its snarls made my heart jump before it finally let out a blood-curdling cry. Suffer. before running off into the now dark forest. Am I going insane or did it just... I believe it is best if we do not speak about whatever that demon was. And if we do, we should not do it here. Who knows if it will grow brave and return. I couldn't disagree with Jacques on that. Marie came crashing through the forest with one of Jacques's friends and reunited with her sister, comforting Therese, who was a mess of tears. One encounter was more than enough for me, and I couldn't imagine how all these people felt having to live, knowing that it could come back at any moment. There was one thing that was not sitting with me. I looked to Jacques. How did you know where to find Therese and I? I asked. Odd, but she said that you'd say that. Jacques told me, and I furrowed my brow. She? I was even more perplexed. A lady came into our verse soon after you three had left. She came in a fancy carriage, and I believe she had to have come from Versailles to afford such a thing. She had told me and my friends she'd pay us 650 livres if we went into this hollow and that we were to bring our weapons. We didn't know why, but money is money, so we listened. Good things that we did. Believe me when I say I'm zero of Gévaudan I barely heard Jacques' last remark as my mind was spinning, trying to think. Who was this lady? I asked. I don't know, she simply gave me this. Jacques handed me a piece of paper that had two words written in French. Renard Rousset. Looking out into the forest, I grew even more uneasy by the minute, and it had little left to do with my encounter of the Beast of Gévaldan. 
The worst part was that I knew I wouldn't even be able to get closure to all of my questions. All of this would soon be a terrible nightmare left for the yesterday when I woke up somewhere new in the morning. Eternal Vagabond is an original production that's written, produced, and performed by Isabel Brack. The voice of Wanda Reynolds was Isabel Brack. Thanks to Shania and Ari for spreading the word like medieval messengers going far and wide to share this podcast on all corners of the internet. I'd like to thank Ben Cutmore from the Dark Histories podcast for his podcast episode, Terror in Gévaudan, The Beast which was a great source of research for today's episode. Music used in today's episode, World of Brothers, Allegretto, by D. Yankee, Tartini's Devil's Trill Sonata in Andante, performed by Mela Tenenbaum on viola, and Richard Cap on piano. We Need to Get Out of Here, by Hill, and Ophelia's Dream, from Royalty Free Music, by Ben Sound. Have a question or comment about Eternal Vagabond? Or maybe you'd like to suggest where Wanda wakes up in the next episode? Follow at Isabel underscore Brack on Twitter or at Eternal Vagabond Podcast on Instagram. Thanks for all the support and kindness from the pilot episode. Hope you enjoyed this spooky story just in time for Halloween.